0: Wow! Uh, what, um, what—an anointed and uh, spirit-led time in worship. Thank you guys so much uh, for that. Uh, welcome to Conduit this morning. Um, my name is uh, Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're we're uh, going through a, a new series in the new year here, and. Um, you know, we've been uh, at Conduit North the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the, uh, the importance as a Christian people. Um, you know, we, we always talk about, Christians are really good at, at saying, you know, well, it's in the past, right? It's in the past, right? We just got to forget it and, and move on, right? We're, we're moving on. Like the, the, the classic like or typical New Year's resolution, right? New year, new me. I got goals. Who I'm gonna be, and what's going on, and what's gonna happen in my life, and what I'm gonna accomplish, and and um, and we 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 we're we're weighted heavily on the side of looking forward, which is a great thing, right? We want to look forward. We want to anticipate what God is gonna do in our lives. We want to be we want to be aware that uh, we serve. We serve a God of redemption, who renews and restores and repairs and sets new sets us to be a new creation from who we were yesterday, or the week before, or even the uh, even the year before. Um, but you know, I think equally important, something that we can't for something that we can't forget is um, not only to look forward to where God is taking us, but to be reminded to look back on what God has done. You know. To, to be reflective about the time behind us, the year, the year behind us. And so um, uh, I' preaching out of Joshua chapter four at Conduit North the last couple of weeks, and uh, the way in which the uh, Israelites were reminded of what God had done for them in their, um, in their deliverance out of Egypt, and walking into the promise, the promised Land. Picking up these stones out of the out of the Jordan River and setting them up as a memorial so that when so that when the Israelites' kids said, said, Hey, uh, mom, dad, what's with that big pile of stones at the at the bank of the Jordan River? The Israelites will say, Well, I'm glad you asked. Because there was a time in our lives where uh, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, and it wasn't all positive, right? We were in slavery, and then God freed us, but then we were in this period of disobedience in our lives, and all of this negative stuff happened, and we were in these wars, and we were, we were conquered, and then we rose up again, and then we were conquered, and then we rose up again, and there was, there was disease and famine and pla- everything, like it could have, couldn't have gone any worse, really, but we look back on that year, and we see the hand of God Faithfully moving us from the place that we were to the place of promise. To the place that He promised He would take us. And so in the the new year for us, we we are trying to do both here at Conduit. We're trying to both um, we're trying to both cast a direction and a vision going forward into 2018 and beyond. And at the same time honoring what God has done in us and amongst us and through us in 2017 and 2016 and 15 and 14 and since the very beginning when Pastor Ben planted conduit we want to we want to see the way that God's hand has sustained and been good and faithful and brought us to the point that we're at now and um and it brings us to this to this point of saying okay well um we're at 2018, and um, last week Pastor Corey started this new series, this new vision series, with um, with sharing, sharing with you our the the vision statement of Conduit Ministries. I wanna kind of recap just a little bit of that as means or in a way of introduction to the next kind of step of that, which is our mission statement, and. Um, If you're anything like me, sometimes I get a little skeptical of things that seem to be um, different with no distinction, right? What is the difference between a mission statement and a vision statement? And why, how do they work together? And is it all just, you know, like fancy words that preachers make up so they can fill the time in the pulpit? Or does it actually make sense in the practicality of our lives together as a believing community? I believe it makes sense. Um, But a, a vision of just take it, take away from like it being a vision statement for conduit ministries, but in any aspect of life, you know, you might, you might own a business and it would be the same. Your family may have a vision statement, right? You may personally have a vision statement. You have, you have a vision and a vision is really nothing more than a, a picture in your mind of a preferred future. When you look at, when you, look into the, when you look into the future, you have, this, you have this picture that you imagine if everything in your life were to go exactly how you wanted it to go, how you planned that it would be, like down to all of the I's dotted and all of the T's crossed. That is your vision. That is the, the picture of the preferred future that you have in your mind it's like um and so for for us for conduit ministries we have as a group of people okay as a as a believing community as a family as as leaders we have a vision we have a picture of the preferred future as it pertains to our lives together as it pertains to the city of Jamestown, as it pertains to all of the people that we meet here and there and there and there and there. And that's what Pastor Corey shared with you last week. I'm just going to hit these down real quick in in, uh, kind of a quick succession. Our vision is to see wholeness and redemption in our homes, in our churches, and in our cities. I say cities, right? Uh, because if you think God's plan for conduit ministries just encompasses the city of Jamestown, then, man, we got, I got news about how big our God is. So we we envision wholeness and redemption in our homes, our churches, and our cities. What does that look like? Wholeness and redemption in all of those areas. Well, it, it looks like uh a healing and a, a restoration to what every single person would consider to be their family. Healing and restoration in families all across the city. Meaning the, the brokenness that exists. The, the tearing apart that exists in families for any and all reasons that you can imagine. To see the Spirit of God mend those things back together uh, to see a unified awakening in the body of Christ. Where it's not just about the, the success and fruit that Conduit Ministries experiences, but it's also about the success and fruit that, that Kidder United Methodist Church experiences and Hillcrest United or Hillcrest Baptist and Bemis Point United Methodist and Church on the Rock or any and every church that proclaims the Lordship of Jesus Christ over at the city to see. All of those people united and awakened with a common vision for the kingdom of God residing in Jamestown. We pray that that's our, like, man, if everything were to go right, unified, awakening in the whole body of Christ. A socioeconomic revival in our cities. Did you know that God is not just concerned with your spiritual condition? you know that God is not just concerned with the state of your soul but that but that we believe and the Bible teaches that when the soul is redeemed and restored and renewed that the overflow of our hearts and lives the people that own businesses, right? The people that shop at different stores, the people that work at this bank, right? Or or or, or the stay-at-home moms, right? Or, or the people that that teach our kids. When there's a when there's a change in the soul condition of the people in a city, it doesn't just change their eternal trajectory, right? It filters down, overflows, hits every area of life, and that means um, that that we see even area, even social areas and economic arenas and 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 cultural centers begin to begin to bloom and be restored. A release from bondage to addiction and mental illness. The peace of Christ to reign over hostility and violence. This is a vision for a preferred future. If you were to say, if everything were to go exactly as you, exactly right, what would it look like? You see, we pray this prayer all the time that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer. We say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, you're you're praying a prayer that... The vision that God has given us would come to fruition here. There's no brokenness in heaven, right? There's no there's no mental illness. There's no bondage to addiction. There's no uh, there's no poverty. There's no so- socio economic crisis. There's no hostility. There's no there's no violence. There's no there's no splintering of the body of Christ. Everything that happens in heaven, right, is exactly what God wants to happen. Exactly what God wants to happen. Nothing is going on in God's kingdom in heaven right now that he's like, eh, I would really prefer it not happen like that. No, it's all exactly as it should be. And when we pray a prayer like, your kingdom come, your will be done right here, right now, just as it is happening in heaven. We're praying a prayer that the vision that God has given us for complete wholeness and redemption in our homes, in our churches, in our cities, is that heaven would come down to this place and that we would experience the perfection of the kingdom of God. Good vibes. That's our vision, right? Got you with me? Tracking with me? All right. So then how do we establish a difference or a distinction between the vision, the picture of the preferred future, that stuff, right, and the mission? Well, I'll be the first to admit that there's like a lot of this, right? A lot of crossover, a lot of same terms, a lot of same feeling, a lot of same spirit, but it is different, okay? Um, listen, mission, uh, the mission, a mission statement, right? Mission is both the target of the current culture that we live in as a body of Christ. I'll explain that more in a minute. It's the, it's the current, the target of current culture, what we want to be what we want to be happening right here right now in our midst all the time every day every time we meet together it's the target of the current culture and our mission statement or what is bound up within the mission is the vehicle that gets us to the vision all right so if we got to say that if the vision is the picture of the preferred future, right? That means we're not there yet. We just we envision it in our mind. We know what it's going to look like. It's going to look exactly like the kingdom of God here on earth, but it's way over there. Well, how are we going to get there? How are we going to travel from the place that we are at right now, experiencing the reality of what's happening in our world, Um Brokenness in families and socioeconomic depression and hostility and, and violence and addiction and mental illness. How are we going to get from this point right here where we are to the point where we know God wants to take us? And the answer is the vehicle for that travel is the mission. Our mission statement here um, at Conduit um, you see it, or walk past it, every time you walk in this main entrance over here, up on the left, in this big, this big, um, I don't know what it is, it's a thing, it's on the wall there, it's light, it lit up all bright, right? It says, live, love, serve. Live, love, serve. There's three Three aspects to that. And um that's kind of like the the always remember it type of version. Live, love, serve, live, love, serve, live, love, serve. Like I'm gonna get it tattooed right here. Live, love, serve, live, love, serve. I'm getting the nod of disapproval from the front row. Um live, love, serve. The expanded version of that is that um is that the vehicle to get us from our current reality to the, the preferred future of God's kingdom come on earth and the, and the, and the, and the culture that we want to create in and amongst us as a, as a body is that we are going to live right alongside Jesus. We're going to live with Jesus. That we are going to love one another. And that we are going to serve the world. That we live with Jesus. We love one another. And we serve the world. We're going to unpack that a little bit here, okay? Um, Actually, we're going to... i got to like jump on my horse here because Corey and I are actually splitting the, the sermon this morning. Um, and I think my time was up about five minutes ago, so um, <laughs> so here it comes. Um, but I, I, you know, I thought it was important that we, we talk a little bit the difference between vision um, and mission um, You know, there, uh, scripture in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, um, you've probably heard this verse before, there's many different versions of it, um, but, but in uh, kind of in a paraphrase, um, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, the writer of Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people cast off Restraint. Where there is no vision, where there is no, some versions say, revelation, where there is no purpose, where there is no mission, the people cast off restraint. Uh, The writer of Proverbs knew something that many of us know experientially already. Um, When there is not... A clear target. Every shot that you take is a miss. When when there is no target, it doesn't matter how excellent you do things. It doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't matter how exciting the game is. If there is no target that you're actually aiming at, if you don't specifically know what you are trying to do, then, then despite, it doesn't matter how excellent it is, how well done it is, how creative it is, how exciting it is, if you don't know what you're trying to hit, it's impossible to hit it. And in the on the, the, the different side of the same coin, right, is that if you don't know what the target is, it's impossible to hit it, But also, um, on the opposite side, is that now everything is a target. If you don't don't have a target, you're always going to miss. But if you don't have a target, then whatever you, well, I hit it. The point, the, the point that the uh, writer of Proverbs is trying to make is that when there is no vision, the people cast off restraint is that when there is no target that the people are marching towards, when there is no picture of the preferred future, then everything goes, everything goes. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter what you do. You can be doing something different than you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And as a unified body, we're not unified, right? Because we're all, we, since there's no target that we're all aiming at, we're all just shooting at different things that we, that we all think personally are important, and we all might be hitting the mark, but we're not hitting the same mark. Everything goes. It becomes, it literally becomes chaos. When there is no discernible direction in your life. People naturally do whatever we want. We've got no vision. We've got no mission. If you've got no direction, then anything goes. Right? And you run around life like a chicken with your head cut off. Right? Kind of chaotic. Not ever accomplishing anything, just getting really tired. That's all that's happening. You ever had that experience? Maybe you just feel like you're just running, kind of this rat race. You're never actually getting anywhere. You're just on this hamster wheel. You're expending a lot of energy, but since you don't know where you're trying to go, all you're doing is just getting tired. And when, when as a, when, when as a, as a body of Christ, if it, if it, if it pertains to you personally, then it's even. It's multiplied in importance to when we gather as a body, as a church, that if we don't have a target that we're aiming at, some place that we're going together, then we can all be doing different things, expending all kinds of resources and energy, trying to make it as good as we can, but it doesn't matter because we're not on the same page. And so vision and mission brings things down. It like distills, it funnels everything that God desires for us into some type of succinct way that we can like describe the target. Where where life is no longer about the chaos of everyone just doing whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, right? But it brings order and direction and purpose to the plan, and this is rooted right in the very character of God. Right? This isn't this isn't the church's um, the church's effort to kind of like rein you all in, right? Get get control of you, right? No, this is like direction and order and purpose is rooted right in the very character. Of the God that we serve. You look all the way back to the very first thing that we have recorded that God d- did, right? He saw the chaos of creation, right? Darkness was hovering over the face of the deep. The writer of Genesis says, And what does God do? God begins to speak order into life. Let there be light and darkness. And there's a a sun to govern the day, and there's a moon to govern the night. Let there be seasons, right? Let the water come in and out. Let the earth rise up. Let things grow. Let things die. Let things produce. Let things reproduce. God, God looked at what was chaotic and brought order to it. Gave it a purpose. Defined the target, The impact that we have is so much greater when it is focused together. It's the difference between standing outside on a sunny day and feeling the warmth of the sun on your face and then taking a magnifying glass and holding it a foot from your hand right, and letting letting the magnifying glass focus the heat and the intensity of the sun with pinpoint accuracy, right? One gets your attention really quick, right? The church is to be like a laser beam, uh, the, the, the sun that comes out of the magnifying glass, not the sun that's on your face. Now, when we talk about living with Jesus as part of our mission statement. You're going to hear next week. Pastor Corey is um, going to preach on the the first of our core values. I'm not going to blow up his spot yet too much about that, but it's all about Jesus, all right? Uh, don't be surprised when you see Jesus at the top of the list. Uh, but the the purpose of the the purpose of of of, of living with Jesus, or why, why we described it like that, is because we want, we want you to know, I mean, first, first and foremost, that um, we do believe here at Conduit in um, uh, the primacy and lordship of Jesus Christ above and over all else forever and ever. Amen. Like, beginning of the sentence, end of the sentence. Like, Jesus, it's all about him. And when we say that part of our mission statement, part of the vehicle that is going to take us from the place, the reality where we're at to the vision of the preferred future is that each and every single one of us individually and then together corporately must be living with Jesus, walking alongside Jesus, um, understanding who Jesus is, putting him in the, the proper place where he belongs in our life, allowing, allowing Jesus to... Um, to change every aspect of who i am from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that nothing and no place is not affected by the ministry and life of jesus christ Um, the scripture says in john chapter 1 verse 29 john the baptist in anticipating the ministry the purpose by which jesus was sent he says uh, he sees jesus coming john the baptist says he says look It's the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. That we believe that Jesus has a purpose. Jesus had a mission, you know. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is telling his disciples, Hey, I only do what my Father has sent me here to do. I'm only here to do what the Father is telling me to do. I'm not here on my own. I'm not here on my own plan. Like, there's a a, a target here. There's a a thing that I'm going for. And if there was a target for Jesus, then we're going to make it a target for us, right? And that is is to experience the life-giving moment where Jesus comes on the scene of our lives, right, and drains everything that is not of God away from us. It is the purpose by which he has come and lived and died and wrote and risen again. And so for us, we are going to say first and foremost that the vehicle that takes us from the reality where our world is to the vision of the preferred future is if it doesn't completely and 100% depend upon Jesus, then it's not really a plan at all. The only way that we're going to get there is living with Jesus, walking with Jesus. If we become a group of people who are about anything other than Jesus, I quit. I'm done, right? It's a waste of time. It's a waste of space, right? The rest of John's gospel goes through the very same communication. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, right? You all know this. It's held up in every end zone of every football game. Like it's some flashy slogan that we say and don't actually believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? God Did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You want to know what it means to live with Jesus is to experience the begotten son of God saving us from our sins. Look, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, but to live in a place not of shame and not of guilt because of our sin. But the reason that Jesus came is for us to be free from the power of con- condemnation. Amen. For God sent his son into the world. Not to condemn the world. But to save the world. Jesus gives. Jesus gives water. Jesus gives bread. To the thirsty. And to the hungry. Drink and food. That quenches every desire. That satisfies Every need. John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, this water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Over a few pages to John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Was Jesus talking about actual uh, physical thirst and hunger? Likely, no. But he was describing the reality in which we live. The reality in which we are now standing. That everyone is thirsty and everyone is hungry. And we try to satisfy that thirst and we try to satisfy that hunger with all kinds of things that just make us more hungry and just make us more thirsty. And it is not until we choose to live with Jesus, walk with Jesus, that we move away from the reality of where we are into the vision of where God is taking us. Finally, John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus says, the thief, the thief, why, why, why would I want to walk with Jesus? So many other paths to walk, so many other things to do. Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, the mission of Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life with Jesus, live with Jesus, walk with Jesus. This is the first, and I dare say, most important aspect of our mission statement. The thing that will take the world from the reality of its brokenness to the reality of God's kingdom come is walking with Jesus. Now... We're going to do the most unexcellent transition you've ever seen in your entire life. But to make it a little bit less awkward than it is, why don't we give a big round of applause for our lead pastor, the most handsome man with a beard in the room, Mr. Corriere.
1: One of these on? Well, Pastor Cameron jokingly mentioned about tattooing the mission on his chest. What he doesn't know. You want to see? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tattoos are (laughs) sinful. That's a joke. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me finish this off in just a few moments here. I want you to see along with uh, the scriptures that we've already hit. We actually have, uh, I have 60 scriptures um, I need to share. And I'm not exaggerating. I'll be brief. Uh, but the one I want you to actually turn to and see uh, that we won't whiz by or whiz through is Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. This is the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 16. Katie Castro uh, is on staff here. I don't see her. Is she in here? She's the, uh, hi. Uh, She is the director of Mission Mission. Um, not to be confused with this mission, but uh, she, you know, Cameron uh, echoed this sentiment. But it's, this is what really stuck with me this week. It's just that the mission is how we, get, how we get to what God sees for the future in the vision. It's how we get from here to there. And so when we came up with uh, live, love, serve. And when I was thinking in my head, I'm kind of getting teased about this. Lately is that if I've got an idea for something and I want to communicate it, we can't just like put it on a piece of paper or like hand it out or like like a cheesy banner or something. It's got to be like we got to really communicate this like that's really uh, been on my heart. And so I thought one of the best ways to communicate this was to put it right there right when you walk in the room or right, right when you walk in the building that you would see the most simplistic thing of Days of old of in Jamestown. Because let's face it, Jamestown used to be unbelievably amazing. Uh, way before probably any of us were around, just to hear about Jamestown and being the furniture capital of the world. Um, just all the amazing beauty and, and, and old, just the history there. It's so amazing. And I wanted, to, I wanted to communicate that, and I want to uh, explain kind of why I wanted to do that because obviously we're not downtown right now we're not downtown we're not next to all the other buildings on Main Street or Third Street Um, but to be able to communicate those words I thought the best way to communicate it was to show the city because as I explained last week the vision if we were going to see wholeness in our homes churches and cities if we were going to see redemption in our homes, churches, and cities, the cities is where it flows into. Your home, your heart flows into this place, in this church. And then collectively, we put our hands together and we flow into the city. So that is the ultimate destination. That is the ultimate, not necessarily Jamestown, but our cities around the world is the ultimate destination of where god is calling us to go on mission to because the cities are representation of where people are not that we're against rural areas okay we're we're for that as well but it would be a little bit harder to understand if we just showed an empty field and say go to the field Um, but hopefully you understand the the connection there so the mission of god Obviously, we won't walk through the entire plan, but when Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and as uh, Pastor Cameron just shared and showed on the screen, John 3.16, the big picture of God of how he gave us his son, his only son, that whoever believes in him by faith, we can receive his grace To be forgiven of our sins, to be wiped clean of all our wrongdoing, to be received in the family of God, and to receive eternal life, holy in God's eyes. How that happens is through his church. His church is plan A. There's no plan B. Like there's other great organizations, there's other great things that affect and build the kingdom of God, but it's through his church That's the vehicle by which he wants to use to change the world. So, to live with Jesus, he would say, one of the last things he actually did say, in verse 16 of chapter 28, hopefully you're looking right at it, this is the Great Commission. Now, the 11 disciples, because obviously one of them um, uh, was Judas, so he's not a part of the 12 anymore, so there's 11 disciples they went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. So this whole moment, I mean, obviously, for Jesus, it was that the cross was, was literally the, the, towards the end of his journey. But he knew that that wasn't the end of his journey, that his journey would actually, even when he rose from the dead three days later, that wasn't even necessarily the end of his journey. He was thinking about this moment. Because when Jesus left, that means this earth doesn't have Jesus anymore. And as I talked last week about how Jesus described at, at some point, stay where you're at, guys. I'm going to send my spirit. And when he sent the Holy Spirit, that's when he be- gave us all power, all authorities, it describes in Acts chapter 1, um, of what was about to happen. But this moment was on Jesus' mind. And as he gathered them there, in verse 17, and when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted. See, in the other account of the Great Commission, to Mark, the the whole uh, popular phrase of the Great Commission to go into all the world, um, (laughs) it was actually a rebuke uh, because of some of them that didn't believe. But he goes on to say these words, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. But now go, therefore. Go in your homes. Go in your churches. But essentially the context of what he's saying right here to these 11 B-team junior varsity guys that didn't make the cut, that he's been with for three years. He's been training living with them. He's been walking with them. They've seen it all. And he's telling them to go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many of you ever coached a team? If you've ever coached a team you know that if you tell a group of individuals, specifically children, to do something, and I have five children, you tell them to do something, you usually have at least 50% fallout of not like they're looking at butterflies, they're focused on something else, there's like, hello, hey, are you, are you paying attention? But you tell a group of people something, you have all these issues, whether they weren't listening. Now, I don't think that in this moment that those disciples were distracted by butterflies. I don't think they were thinking about, like, dude, when's this, when's this, like, when's this guy going to wrap it up float away so I can get lunch? Like, I'm hungry. I doubt that was their thought process. So they were clued in. But if you know what I know about people and what I've experienced with people, you tell a group of people to do something, a specific mission, and to go somewhere. You, like, not just stay and do it, but, like, go and do it. All of a sudden, you have this... Complete chaos of relationship. So what Jesus actually saw in that moment was not just, all right, guys, I- I'm talking about the, m- the vision. Now here's the mission. He, I think his immediate thought, when it had to do with the mission, the journey of how they were going to get to the preferred picture of the future, how the rest of the world was going to be saved, how the rest of the world was going to receive Jesus and know about Jesus and be forgiven and be heaven-bound, like how that was going to happen, He knew that there would be interpersonal relationship struggle. He knew that there would be uh, disciples that were were having um, issues with one another or had a different plan than one another. Well, no, the mission's this. Well, no, the mission's this. And Jesus loved the fact that there was diversity in that because he didn't say go to Texas and baptize all them, even though it may seem that way. I picked a random state, but it does seem like There's a lot of that in text. Anyways, he said, go to the world. He needed all of those disciples. Conduit. Like, when we say that (laughs) you're live with Jesus and love one another and, and serve the world, like, this isn't just go into downtown Jamestown. This isn't just go to Honduras or India or a specific place. We want you to go everywhere because you're specifically gifted and wired and, and, and your, your life, if you are surrendered, is dedicated to the very place and more importantly and more exciting is the very people that he's called you to be on mission to in relationship. So Jesus was okay with that in, that, in this moment that these were a diverse amount of guys. Now, why on earth, like, they got, obviously, in this moment... They got to live with Jesus. Part they've been doing that literally for three years. They've been through an emotional roller coaster of Jesus' arrest and death and resurrection, and now he's getting ready to fly. Like there, there's all these things that are happening that they've been through, but now's the now's the love. Now's where love comes in, and love doesn't always seem like the greatest vehicle to get what we need, or get something done. But for Jesus, love is always the vehicle by which things get done. Even though it doesn't seem that way, the ways of God, this is specifically where it says in Scripture that our ways are not God's ways. Neither are our thoughts, God's thoughts. This specifically in regards to love. Like how, God, how am I going to do that? Love. 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 But he, I love this, how the perspective today, this morning with mission is that they're to love one another. Love one another. Um, so the Bible has some stuff to say about loving one another. The, the Bible has a lot to say, actually, about one another's in general. But specifically about gospel community, and it's no, it's no... Um, it's no secret that today's uh, an important day for Conduit not just because we're sharing the mission live, love, serve, but specifically we're inviting you to something that's a part of our mission, is that we're inviting you into gospel community we want you to be in an open house we want you to, if you can't make it to an open house I want you to write down like three families or three people that you see in this room right now or that you know of that attend here or aren't here yet, I want you to invite them over for dinner, spend some time over coffee with them Like do something to minister to them in a way specifically that maybe you didn't fall in line with a program that we have set up called Open House. That's not gonna save the world, newsflash. But your loving one another will. It will, because God uses that living with Jesus and how you love one another and how you serve the world to change the world, to change your home, to change your church, to change your city, amen? Specifically, there's actually 59 things even just in the new testament that have to do with one another's uh, the first one how we are to love one another we are to be mark 9:50 says we are to be at peace with each other john 13:14 says we are to wash one another's feet john 13:34 says love one another john 13:35 says love one another john 15:12 says love one another john 15:17 says love one another be devoted to one another in brotherly love romans 12:10 Honor one another above yourselves, Romans twelve ten. Live in harmony with one another, Romans twelve, sixteen. Romans thirteen eight talks about loving one another. Stop passing judgment on one another, Romans fourteen, thirteen. Accept one another, then, and just as Christ has accepted you, Romans 15, seven. Instruct one another, Romans fifteen four. Greet one another with a holy kiss, Romans sixteen, sixteen. I knew you were gonna say something. I knew it. I, I literally was reading that. I'm like, Vinny. I know he's gonna be like, woo! You say something at that point. Uh, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. Wow. First Corinthians eleven thirty three. Have equal concern for one another. First Corinthians twelve twenty-five. Another uh, greeting one another with a holy kiss. That's in 1 Corinthians as well. Vinny, uh, just just a side note. Um, serve one another in love. Galatians five thirteen. If you keep biting on and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Galatians five fifteen. Let us not be conceited, provoking and envying each other. Galatians five twenty-six. Carrying each other's bur- burdens. Galatians 6, 2. Be patient, bearing one another's burdens in love, Ephesians 4, 2. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4, 32. Forgiving one another, Ephesians four thirty two, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Ephesians 5, 19. Are you still with me? Okay. Submit to one another out of reverence. Maybe I'm not. Let me, are you still with me? Okay, cool. All right, sweet. You were like, oh, get over it, dude. I'm on 28. Let me, hang on. Just buckle up. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Ephesians 5.21. In humility, consider, consider others better than yourselves, Philippians 2.3. Do not lie to each other, Colossians 3.9. Uh, bear with each other, Colossians 3.13. Forgive, what, forgive whatever grievances you have against one another, Colossians 3.13. Teach one another, Colossians 3.16. Admonish one another, Colossians Three sixteen, Make your love increase and overflow for each other. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 Love each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 Encourage each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 Encourage each other again. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Build each other up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Encourage one another daily. Hebrews 3.13 Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10.24 Encourage one another. Hebrews 10.25 do not slander one another, James four eleven. Do not grumble against each other, James 5, 9. Confess your sins to each other, James 5, 16. How many have like some work to do? <laughs> some confessions to be made of where we've fallen short in our one another's. Living in harmony with one another, 1 Peter 3, 8. Love each other deeply, 1 Peter 4, 8. There's literally more. There's some biblical basis for us loving one another as Christ loved us. You fall short in that. I fall short in that. And I'm willing, I'm willing to recognize that out of humility and not out of pride. That I can love others better, bigger, Because I live with Jesus. And so, why did God give us his word specifically in regards to one another's? To make you feel guilty? No. To set you free. He he does want you to know that we fall short of his glory. And we fall short of, of the mark every time, all the time. But because we live with Jesus... He's given us hope and clarity and power and a constant clean slate and pure eyes that he sees us with pure eyes so that we can live from victory not live from defeat not live from a point of man I've messed up every single one of those things that he read but that if you are a follower of Christ follower of Christ if you've received him by faith if you've been living with Jesus if you're redeemed by the gospel you have this amazing opportunity to love one another. Finally, serve. Serve. To serve means to live on mission. Um, so specifically when I uh, was trying to find the best three pictures of old school James Jamestown, um, I actually got sent on a really unique journey. I felt like Mr. Rogers, uh, kind of going from places all over the city and then like, uh, literally the first place I went was a Fenton uh, History Center. And I uh, walked in and they, uh, <laughs> she literally walked me back in this hall. And she says, okay, all of these three-ring binders on this whole wall um, from floor to ceiling, there you go. Start looking. And I was so ambitious. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I started grabbing them and like an hour later, I'm like, Ah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then I found the ones I wanted. After a while. I found the pictures I wanted. I felt like it, 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 gave us, it gave me a sense of like, not just old school what Jamestown looked like. Not just how the economy used to be. Not just how things used to be different. Or like a leave it to beaver kind of culture. That's not what we're going after. That's not what I was looking for. But I sensed, In some of these pictures, as I saw, because a lot of the pictures were based on people that were serving the community. Like there was a lot of parade pictures. So there's a lot of firemen, a lot of police officers, a lot of of businesses serving people. If you could go back to the the uh, Love Jake picture. This one specifically, after the third destination I was at, I sat down with this nice lady at the center there. And she walked me through and she says, I have... She, she, I mean, literally, it was like stacks of notebooks. She says, like, I have, because I described to her what I was going for, what I was trying to get. She says, like, I have the perfect picture for you. She walks away. I'm like, yes, this is it. I don't know what it is, but she's like, I have the perfect picture. And she walks back in, and she lays down this small notebook, and it had like probably 10 pictures in it. And it was specifically about this business, which just doesn't really do it justice. It's, it's clear out there, but this business here was on 2nd Street. And it was, like, you can't tell in this picture, but I I want to invite you when you leave to look at the center of this picture. And she knew a lot about this picture. Um, She knew a lot about the situation. She was guessing that it was Easter Sunday, as well as the third picture is from Easter Sunday. But she was guessing that this right here was these, um, (laughs) forgive the times, they were called giant Mexican cups. What were giant Mexican cups? Well, it describes it right there, but it essentially was this ice cream cone. And they made, she showed me this beautiful clear picture of this this cone, this ice cream cone that was shaped in a heart. And they're serving this. And I'm zooming in, I'm looking at this guy who I'm assuming is perhaps the owner in the back and he's throwing like a balloon. And the look on his face, the look on his face is what I was trying to to capture, because it's, sh- and I have no idea, maybe he was just some random guy walking through, and he was like a balloon, and then he took a picture, I have no idea, but I'm, I- I've got an imagination, and my imagination wants to connect with you this morning, because I want you to see that, if a snapshot of you was taken today, or this July, and some random preacher, 100 years from now, uses that picture, what would they see, would they see a heart for their city, a love for their city because of what Jesus had done in their home, in their heart, in their church, and it overflowed to this, the city. Would they see that? Would they see your life on mission? Would they see that serving is not just something you do, it's something that you are? Like, it's, it's a representation of you living with Jesus and loving one another, and the overflow is you just get to serve? Because we all serve at different capacities. The the mission for us is again, it's not that you just would just go downtown and just grab every person you see and hug them and pray for them. That's not bad. You can do that. Go do that. But maybe for you, it's completely different. Maybe it's that for you, it's that like that peanut butter sandwich that you make for your child, with the honey on it. Like You're putting your heart into it, right? Or that mac and cheese, or that, that whatever it is, you're doing at home. Something you're doing at your home, you're serving in your church, you're, you're displaying something greater than just what you can do or a good deed. You're showing the one another. You're showing the Great Commission. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. The church has missed the boat on the moral war in, in politics. Or like, we're just going to go to United States of America, we're going to establish it as a Christian nation. Everyone's going to love Jesus and serve each other and love one another. That's, that's, the way it's, it, that's the way it was planned. It's a bad interpretation of it, but you understand what I'm trying to say. The vehicle by which God wants to use to change your home, church, city, country is love. It's serve. Live, love, serve. That's the point. That's what we got. And I just want to echo the sentiment from last week. If you were not here, um, just briefly, I I want to remind you that we're, the church is a crash. A crash. Um, Talked about how there was different um, uh, names for groups of animals. Um, That travel in packs or live in packs. Um, For example, we just a couple uh, whales um, are called. If a group of whales, they're called a pod, right? Um, And humorously, we said that like technically a group of vultures is called a committee, um, which is interesting. and, and I was using this example from a pastor named Erwin McManus, and he was telling this in uh, this story in one of his books, and he thought that the name for the church should be something like, like what lions together are called a pride. He felt like that's what the church should be, like is a, a pride. But he, he didn't know, like, play on words of how that would go. But then he actually argued that this was the best um, connection, was that a, a rhino um, is the best connection. This is why rhino... Uh, a rhino uh, can can only see about thirty feet in front of them, but they also tra- They can travel up to a high speed of thirty one, and they can weigh, I mean, anywhere from two to five thousand pounds, and they're running at thirty one miles an hour. And but they can only see thirty feet ahead of them, and so they're literally in a group. A rhino is called a crash. And that should be the best picture of the church. Not that we're so unorganized or not that we're so, uh, like, just knocking everything out of the way and just we don't care what we're stepping on. But it may give us a picture that when we move together, we may not know what's going to happen after 30 feet. We may not know, but we're moving. And at a rate of 31 miles an hour as a group is really fast. And it may crash, but we know that even in our running, even in the humor of the word crash, we believe in faith that as we move, that God through his Holy Spirit inside the believer moves at a pace that will change the world, that will change a city, that will change the church, that will change our home, that it starts with our heart. Our heart has to be in the place of mission. That is our mission, is you first. We are a church that is moving and doing and serving and reaching. Yes. But we also have to recognize that you're here. And that you need Jesus. And that I need Jesus. And that we need each other. We need to love one another. We need to have gospel community. And by golly, if that's ever an army, if that's ever a crash that's going to serve our city, that's the church that's the mission amen amen i think the best way the only way that this is going to happen that's going to move forward is prayer and that's what's so unique about the crash is we're not fighting we're not running we're not 5000 pounds of power our power comes from on high our power comes from the Holy Spirit inside of us. So my challenge to you, maybe you're here today, and, and maybe, maybe you're like, live, love, serve, I'm in. Where do I sign? Where do I go? That's awesome. But, but maybe you're here today, and you're like, I don't know what that means to live with Jesus. And honestly, you're here today perhaps because of that. And our invitation to you is this is not an 8-step, 30-step, you got to be good enough, tall enough, smart enough process. Jesus died for you. He wants to forgive you and redeem you. He wants to set you free. (laughs) If you'll receive that, if you'll surrender to that, if you'll run after that, if you'll live with Jesus, he'll begin to do the rest. He's done it all anyways. But maybe for you, it's just a simple aspect of this morning opening your heart to receive Jesus as your Savior. We want you to be saved. We want you to be made whole. We want you to be redeemed first in your home, in your heart, so that it can flow to your church and your city. Maybe you're here today and you've lived, you've been living with Jesus for a long time. Like, yep, I know Jesus. I know his word. I'm all in. But that love one another aspect is difficult for you. May we all have a moment of help me, Lord Jesus. I confess where I've fallen short, and I need your Holy Spirit's help and power as I continue to step into what it looks like to love one another and to actually open myself up for gospel community in this church. I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to lean into that. Or maybe you're here today and like you've got, you're living, you're loving, you need to serve. God's made you in such a unique way, in such an amazing way, that he didn't just, listen, he didn't just save us from something, he saved us to something, to be on mission. That is the way this church will always lean, as a missional church, as a church that says, We are made and here for a purpose. This church exists to bring God glory, for us to grow, and all these things we talked about, we also exist for the people that aren't in this room yet. For the churches on the other side of town, or up the county, or the state over, or in a sweet little country called Honduras, um, that doesn't have a church yet. We're leaning into that. So, would you stand with me as we pray and we just uh, ask, remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit's, it's only by His power.